My name's Paul. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, I've been off for two weeks. I'm a little bit too excited to get to do this today, but I'm ready. I hope you packed a lunch. Let's go. I just got back from being off for a few weeks, and one of the things that I do in June is I also just take a break from social media. Like, I, I take the whole month off. And sometimes when I tell people that, like, they, like, I get this expression of shock, like, how could you do that? Like, I just went to Mars or something and returned. It's like, it's not that hard. You delete the app and you don't look at it, and it actually makes you feel a lot better about your life. It doesn't hurt you at all. It actually helps you some. And it's a funny thing because in our world, I mean, people are pushing towards an average of six hours of screen time. That's crazy. Six hours, that's almost a full-time job when you add up the days of the week together. And it's a funny thing in the scope of the fact that everyone feels so busy Everyone feels like, I don't have time for anything. I wake up and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, and I don't have time to do the things that I really want to do. And it's like you've got this, this part-time job where you're employed by Facebook or Instagram to just look at their stuff right now. I, I know a great way for you to find more time, find more peace, delete all the junk for a while and just see if it helps you. And I'm not here to, to rant about social media today, but I'm just, I'm picking on that first. Because I know so many of us have this feeling of I am overextended. I am overworked. I am so tired. I don't have time to do the things that are really important and the things that I want to do. I don't have time for my kids. I don't have time to take care of my physical body. I don't have time for my spiritual health. I just go, go, go. And I want to tell you, God has something to say to you if that's how you've been feeling. There's good news on the way for you if you have felt that way. But it does take some steps. It does take some changes. Today we're kicking off a new series that's called Close to Jesus. And I want to tell you, it's been so encouraging to my heart as I've been writing this. I believe that it's going to encourage you where you're at today. And we're going to, we're going to get into a story that's a familiar story for many of you. It's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. We'll project it on the screen. But once again, that's the Gospel of Luke Chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, story of Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. As we go through this passage today, I've kind of summarized the way that we interact with God, the way that we live out our spiritual life and our closeness with Jesus into three basic categories. The, the first one, it identifies with Martha a lot because Martha did something incredibly noble. The disciples and Jesus were coming through town and she just opened up her house. And I don't know if you've ever been hosting people at your house when someone, someone unexpectedly comes up and you have to play host and you're like trying to get things put together. I mean, you felt that stress before. I felt that stress before, trying to get food settled and the house ready when you weren't really planning on it. Maybe someone showed up 15 minutes early before they were supposed to be there, and you're like, I was supposed to have 15 more minutes. You're not supposed to be here yet. And you feel that tension. 
Now magnify that to this is Jesus in the house. Like, get out the fine china. Like, get things ready. Things have to be perfect. Like, cut up the kiwis, make a fruit plate, turn the kiwis into, like, little penguins, make them cute, get a veggie tray assembled, you know, start with the cherry tomatoes. We're going to make a rainbow on it, it's going to be red, it's going to be carrots, and then it's going to be yellow peppers, and then, then, you know, we don't have blue, indigo, and violet, so just use the purple cabbage. Like, like make everything perfect, perfect. Little white cauliflower clouds at the ends. Like, it's Jesus here. Like, everything has to be perfect, and Martha is going. Like, she's going to get it done. And as she's going, and she's, you know, probably the oldest sibling, barking out orders, making sure things happen, making sure everyone is taken care of, she's looking for Mary. And where is Mary? Mary is not where Martha thinks that she should be. Martha understands in her head, these things have to be done first before we sit down and listen to Jesus. Like, do the things first. And she looks over and sees Mary, which, first of all, the fact that Mary was seated at the Lord's feet is kind of a big deal because culturally, the women should have been in the back or they should have been in the kitchen. And the fact that Jesus had Mary sitting in the place of a disciple is something that elevated women in that time and culture. And that's just kind of a side note to it. But as Martha looks around, why isn't Mary doing the work that she should be doing you know, it, the, the, the oven was no longer the only thing that was heating up in the kitchen. Like, Martha was getting so worked up that she, she went and she told on Mary. She went to Jesus and said, Jesus, do you see what's happening here? Do, do you see what Mary's doing? Because she, she thought, Lord, don't, don't you care? I mean, that's how she said it. Lord, don't you care that I'm left to do the work? This is an interesting concept because I think so many of us have felt this way. It's like we get going in our day and we, we, before we're even out of the bed, we're, we're checking the emails and we're responding to the emails. We're catching up on the text messages, responding to, to what needs to happen there. We're looking at social media and we're fixing all of the people who are wrong on the internet that show up on our news feed because they have to be corrected by someone and it's gonna be me who does it. And we start doing all of these things and then we, we, we make the breakfast for the kids. We get them dressed. We get them to where they have to go. We get to our job and we just don't stop, don't stop, don't stop dealing with all kinds of things. And we go through this day where we get physically emotionally and spiritually exhausted and we, we land at the end of the day and crash into our bed and there's this sentiment that eventually will build up of, God, don't you care that I'm feeling this way? And at the beginning of our morning for the Christ follower, I'm sure that throughout the day, but especially in the morning, there's like this whisper of, child, just stop and sit at my feet for a little while. But the way that we deal with our relationship with God, many of us, is we say, well, everything else has to be in its position, in its place before I get to the spiritual stuff. Everything else needs to be taken care of. All of the food needs to be done, and it needs to be done extravagantly. All, all of the concerns, they need to be answered. And then if I get all of those things figured out, then I'll get to the spiritual side of my life. But what we've discovered and experienced is we can never check all of the boxes that everyone wants us to check. We will never get to the end of the list. And because we think that we have to get everything else done before we interact with God, we just never get to it. And because we ignore God's promptings to just spend some time with him throughout the day, we start to feel like, God, why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you providing? Why, why don't I feel close to you anymore? Well, you've been missing the opportunities to just sit at my feet and listen. Look, look, 
just sitting in the presence of God will do so much for where your mind is at, for where your heart is at, for how you interact with the trials and the challenges of the day. If you start off sitting in the presence of God, it makes you a better parent, it makes you a better spouse, it makes you a better employee, it makes you a better friend, it makes you a happier and more joyful person. If you start off your day just sitting at the feet of Jesus, but, and that's where the problem is. We never get to do that, so we go through all the things. We feel drier and drier until we cry out, Lord, don't you care? And it doesn't make sense. And when we stop and we look at it in the middle of a church service, we agree, no, that doesn't make sense. But it's a routine that we just keep doing on repeat. And I want to just put a spotlight on it. I want to call your attention to it. That if you've been living your life trying to check all of the boxes and put everything in its place before you deal with the spiritual side of who you are, You're going to be hurting, you're going to be spiritually dry, you're going to become bitter, and you're going to ask God, where is your hand in my life because everything feels so difficult? And he would just say, my hand has been tapping you on the shoulder every single morning, but you brush me off to go see what's happening on Instagram. You're so concerned about the things of the house, the the laundry, the children, all of it can wait because you will do a better job of caring for all of the things that I've entrusted to your stewardship if you'll just sit down at my feet. Because Martha invited them in to host. And what she was doing was incredibly noble. It was a great thing. But in the midst of her plan of what hosting was going to look like, something spiritual started happening in the room. But she couldn't hit pause. She couldn't depart from her plan. The things had to be done. And when we don't allow God to minister to our heart, to the internal part of us, the exterior things that we do, they're going to end up making us angry and bitter. I think it's so incredibly important for you guys to be serving, for you to work hard in your household, to work hard at your job. But I believe that the best thing that you can do for all of those areas is first let the inward faith grow so that it can be expressed in all of those outward ways of serving. If you try to to express your faith outwardly without ever investing time and energy and effort to the inward part of your faith, it will become hollow and fake. You will cry out, Lord, where are you? Lord, don't you care? But if you start with the inward part, you know that even when you go through trials, you go through storms, you go through difficulties, if the inward part of your faith is rock solid, it doesn't matter what the world throws at you. That's the beautiful thing. You can hit pause on everything else, take care of your heart with God, put everything else on pause, and no matter what the day looks like, you're going to be better prepared for it. But I think there's this, like, this false idea of honoring God of, I'm just going to do all of the things first. I want to give you permission to change your mode of operation. If you've been operating out, of, operating out of a do everything first, the best thing that God would want you to do is say, the first thing that happens is I need to sit at the feet of Jesus in my day. I need to receive from him what he wants to speak to me in this day. Because I know it's going to line everything else up to go better. The, the next 
summary that I'd say about the way that we interact with God is, you know, everything else has to come first, but then the next one would just be something else. Like, like there, there's, there's something else. There's just one thing, like, like my heart is pretty devoted to God, but there's this one thing that I know just always comes before God. Like it, it, in scripture, we see our relationship with God compared to a couple of different things. Most commonly, it's a marriage relationship or fatherhood. And, and the, the two are ways that we, we relate to God. And this next picture that I'm going to show you is someone who messed up both fatherhood and marriage all in one foul swoop. Um, do I have any hockey fans in the house? And yes, okay, we, we got a few of you. Most people are like, does Florida even have a hockey team? They don't even recognize that, you know, Champa Bay just won another title. Like the, 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 the Lightning just won the Stanley Cup. And, and they won against the Montreal Canadiens, which literally the name of the team is the Canadiens, because that's probably the scariest thing you could find on ice is Canadiens. Yeah, I mean, they're incredible at hockey. But, but check out this, this picture of this guy. Um, the, so he went and he bought a multi-thousand dollar ticket to go to a game against the Lightning in Canada, and he said, missing the birth of my first child, hope it's worth the price. This also happened on a night where the Canadians lost six to two, which in hockey is like a complete spanking. That's like someone dropping 160 points on you in a basketball game. And so like, I can't even imagine what his walk into the hospital was like. You know, going up to the nursing station, um, I'm looking for my wife's room number, and they're like, oh, it's you. How is the hockey game? It's pretty terrible. We, we, we lost six to two, probably lost your marriage too. I mean, room number one, because she's alone. Like, I mean, like, he, he, he messed up all kinds of ways here. But even as I show you that picture, your whole concept of what a husband should be like, like he should have been there holding her hand. He should have been there experiencing all of that with her, he should have been there as a father, hearing his baby's first breath and cry and seeing all of those things together. Like we, we know he messed up bad if this is legit. If, he, if that's really what was happening, maybe he just wanted attention. I, don't, I hope he just wanted attention. Uh, that, that's better than, than being that person. Like we, we know that putting hockey or any one thing that far ahead of your marriage or your fatherhood, that is messed up. Like that, that can wreck a relationship. But it's just become normal for us to just put other things up above God. As if like the book of James doesn't tell us that, that God is jealous for the spirit that he's placed in you. Like when you put your heart into other things above him, scripture describes that God has a holy attitude of being jealous for you. He doesn't want you giving yourself like that to anything else above him. Now hear me on this. I'm not anti like youth sports, but but if if travel basketball or travel baseball or soccer ha- has become something that is more important than faith in your home, that might be something that you need to address. And I'm not the pastor who's like you can't ever skip church for a ball game, but I am the pastor who say if you're going to skip church for a ball game with your kid, then you have a Bible study with your kid to help them learn wherever we are on Sunday, we're going to worship together because God is first. And we can travel around and we can go to the other side of Florida, the other side of the country for a ball game, but we're always going to worship where we are. And that's what it's about. It's saying, does God have the supremacy in all of these things in my life? Or is there something that I have elevated above him? Look, real talk. Is there an addiction that has lived in the shadows. It's like, oh, 
My life is for God, but this one area has to stay in hiding. God doesn't want you to live in that kind of pain and fear. And the role of the church is supposed to be one that when we confess our sins one to another, that we would experience healing. But there's something spiritual that happens when you confess something to someone that you trust within the church and someone that will help you. And it provides accountability. And it brings us out of that place of hiding and fear and knowing that it's like, I just should have that right. God wants you to experience all of the joy and all of the love that he has you and all of the freedom so that you know that you can be the same person wherever you are. There's so many things that can grab a hold of our heart. There's the rich young ruler who who came to Jesus and there's something in him that he just felt like he needed to be justified. And so he went and he had a conversation with Jesus and and he said, what what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he said, you know, keep the commandments. And the rich young ruler said, I've done that since the time that I was a young man. And and then Jesus looked into him and he he just saw that, that the way that you feel about money, it has a grip on your heart that isn't right. And so Jesus spoke to him and he said, There's one thing that you lack. Take your money and give it away and come and follow me. I mean, this was incredible. Like he was getting the invitation to come and follow Jesus as he did ministry, to be like one of the disciples, to get to see miracles, to be part of this endeavor of the Messiah walking through earth. He got an invitation, but his heart was so stuck on one thing. Scripture says that he had great wealth, so he went away sad. He couldn't let go of his one thing. He missed out on a lot. He was a good guy. He kept the commandments from the time he was young. But one thing, one thing can trip you up. One thing, when we put it above God, I'm going to tell you, you're going to feel so much freedom when you take that one thing and you give it to God. And you say, this is fully yours and I am fully yours. And so I believe that it's appropriate to just do, do just some soul searching and just say, God, you know, have I been operating under this everything comes first or is there something that I, I've been holding on to and hiding from you? And if so, convict my heart about it because the place that you can get to, the place that is available to you, this is not impossible, but you can get to the point where you say, there's nothing above Jesus in my life. That's not a point of perfection That's a point of recognition of saying anything that becomes something that stands before Jesus, it's going to be on its way out. Like, I'm not going to just let it live. I'm not going to let it fester in my life. It's not going to get to hang around. It's not going to stay with me for months. Like, I might have issues. I might mess up. But those things, none of them will stand before Jesus because if it's here, I'm going to confess it to a brother. I'm going to give it to the Lord. And I know that he's going to be faithful to do what he says he'll do. And it's going to get pushed out of my life. Like, I'm going to walk in obedience to God. And that's the third area. That's where we want to get to, where we say, there is nothing that I'm going to allow to be to become in between me and God. There's nothing. And Mary, she, she was kind of in this place in this story. Because how many younger siblings do I have in the house? We got younger siblings. Yeah, that's right. I, I am the second child in my family. So I have a sister who's three years older than me. And so I know how scary an older sister, older sibling can be that thinks they're in charge, right? I get that. How many oldest siblings do we have? 
Yeah, there's the people who think they're the boss. Yeah, that's right. Put your hand back down. I just told you to do that, and you did it. What's up now? Um, <laughs> they're so mad. They're so mad right now. We got them. Um, you guys know how scary you can be, too. It's like you just have this control over these other people. Even when you're adults, you, you know that there's still some of that. And Martha is barking off orders in Mary, but Mary just doesn't care. She's like, I am just stopping here. Like, spiritually, what's happening as Jesus is here and in the room, like, everything has to stop. It doesn't matter if food is being prepared or not. It's interesting, just, just chapter before Jesus feeds the 5,000, like, the need for food, Jesus can handle that. All of your needs, all of your worldly needs that you worry about, that you think, man, Jesus is just going to have to take a back seat for a minute while I handle this earthly thing that has to be handled. He can provide in all of those areas. And when you sense that Jesus is trying to do something in the room, you just need to stop. And it's incredible because at any given moment that you feel like, man, I need a touch from God, you live in a generation with a couple clicks, you can have some of the best preachers in the world on your phone speaking the word over you. In a moment where you're like, I, I need to engage in a time of worship and just sit in the presence of God, with a couple clicks, you can have the best worship leaders in the world singing over you. With a few clicks, you can hear Aspen's voice singing over you in whatever room you're in. It's all available. You can, you can get to the presence of God by opening scripture and praying to him and you will have that time and there's no excuse, there is no obstacle other than yourself deeming that other things of the world are more important. And so the mental position that I want us to shift towards is saying there, there's nothing that I need to allow to be in front of God in my life. In the area of me being closer to Christ, I don't have to check all the boxes of all the things that have to be done. I don't have to live in fear of the one thing that's been there that shouldn't be there. I can deal with that within the kingdom of God and it's going to be gone. You can get to this place, even a scary older sibling, you can get past them and get to the place that you need to be with God. But we have to enter this place where we have a mindset that says nothing else matters. Band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm going to close this thing out. Pastor Chris Hodges is the pastor of Church of the Highlands, and he's, he's someone who uh, just encourages me so much, and I, I watch him and listen to him, read his books. He, he's, he's a great author and speaker and a great person. I've got to meet him. Um, he, he said this while teaching one time. He said, I have decided that I'm not going to let anything that will ultimately mean nothing keep me from experiencing what will ultimately mean everything. Let me give you that one more time. This is a great eternal perspective. I have decided that I'm not going to let anything that will ultimately mean nothing keep me from experiencing what will ultimately mean everything. You know, there's things that you do today. There are opportunities for you to take steps of faith today that will literally matter for all of eternity. The way that you worship, the way that you serve others, the way that you love others, the, the closeness that you walk into with your heavenly father, there are things that you do that will literally matter forever. And we have allowed so many distractions to settle in, but this is just an invitation to say, that, that feeling that I have that I have to do with everything, 
that's a lie. The feeling that, that, that I have to stay in hiding because of that something, that's a lie. I can move all of those things out of my life because the Spirit of God at work in my life empowers me to get rid of all of them so I can enter into the space where I say there is nothing that will separate me from the love of God. There is nothing that will separate me from walking in His truth. There is nothing that is more powerful than the Word of God being lived out by His people. There is nothing that can stop me from experiencing all of God's fullness in my life. And I've allowed things that are nothing to do that, but it's not going to work that way anymore. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to stop. I'm going to be at the feet of Jesus. And even when everything else is screaming for me, nothing else can take Jesus' place. Nothing else. Everything else tries to tell me it will satisfy my soul. If I would just do this, post this, like this, be involved in this, it would satisfy my soul. But there's a truth that I need to recognize that nothing else is going to fill the place that was only designed for Jesus. Nothing else will come first before him. Nothing else will satisfy me and fulfill me. Nothing else will replace the time that I spent authentically worshiping him. In fact, church, go and stand up with me. As I say this and nothing else, and as Aspen sings, nothing else behind us, I want you to begin to to put the words of truth to it. That that if you recognize that there's nothing else that your heart needs more than Jesus, then sing out with her and make a decision that if it's been everything else, I'm moving to nothing else. If it's been something else that has kept me in hiding, I'm moving to nothing else. Because we recognize that Jesus, you are everything we need. You are everything that we need. All of our, all the things that we've been worried about and stressing about and we've been trying to come to a solution on our own, we know that you are the answer to the problems we face today. And if we start with you, we can build our life on a firm foundation. So Jesus, we're moving to the place that it's nothing else but you. Have your place in our life, Lord. We trust you. We know that nothing else but you will satisfy. In Jesus' name, sing with us, church.